Welcome to The Foul Line with Sarah and Scotty Moe, where everything wine and baseball is in fair territory. Today, we will be drinking a Nebbiolo, interviewing Taylor Rhodes of the Houston Astros, and previewing the AO West. Grab a glass and join us. Look, big paper, I increase my wealth, uh. Red wine, that's good for my health, uh. Wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's, uh. Allow me to introduce myself, I said... Yo, 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 what are we drinking today, Scotty Moe? Today, we have the 2019 Roero Nebbiolo. What is a Nebbiolo? Uh, a Nebbiolo is a northern Italian grape, specifically north. I got to look at my compass real quick. <laughs> Northwestern. So from the Piemonte region, which is Torino, Turin um that area um this grape is it, it will so let me start first the word nebbiolo derives from the italian word nebbia which means fog and that um uh, they believe it comes from the like during harvest of this grape in the fall a deep fog sets in to the langhi region i believe that's how you pronounce it as the grape reaches maturity and i've seen it's really cool. I've seen pictures of vineyards in this region. They are along hills and they're like on levels. It's really cool. It's like they're like steps. <laughs> um, so this is one of a few grapes that are from the northern Italian region. One of my favorites. I actually, I was telling you before the podcast, I had a glass of Nebbiolo at a bar in downtown Pittsburgh recently. And I thought it was like one of the best glasses of wine I've ever had, which is saying a lot. So had to bring it on the podcast. Um, you know, a little bit more about this. Roero comes from the name of the geographical area in this part of northwestern Italy. Um, and this is um, from the Malvira Winery. And it's a family-owned winery from the DeMonte, they're the DeMonte family. Um, it's been in the family for three generations. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to try it. And something a little bit... Uh, don't fully understand the classification, but I'm going to go into it a little bit. This is a DOCG wine, and there's a sticker on the top. I'm going to put it in the camera here, along the top of the bottle. Um, this is a classification, um, the highest classification in Italy. All DOCG wines from each producer are analyzed and tasted by the government, licensed uh by a government licensed judgment panel before being bottled so where do i send in my resume because i'd love to do that for work um and then once approved the wines are guaranteed with a number uh governmental seal which i showed you in the video across the cap or the cork it'll either be wrapped around or sometimes you'll see it along this along the side of the uh, cork here um to prevent um manipulation um so there's a few rules for these DOCG wines. Um, um, you know, there, you, there's usually a lower proportion of blending grapes, so you don't see a lot of blends. So this is strictly, this wine is strictly a Nebbiolo from the Nebbiolo grape. Um, higher minimum alcohol content. We're all here for that, right? Um, Definitely. And longer aging requirements, along with some other things. Um, so I am excited to jump in this. This is a 2019, by the way, too. Okay, yeah, let's get into it. I'm so excited. It's supposedly the best one you've ever had, so I'm sure you're going to rate it high. 
we'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. We pause for a quick ASMR break. Mine didn't show up last time. I had to cut it out because it was just pause and I heard nothing. There, we gotta do better. Mm -hmm. I know. It's okay. We're all learning. Every day. Alrighty. Here's the pour. Okay. All right, Sarah, what are you smelling here? Well, first, let's look at it. Um, it's a it's a lighter red color, right? Um, let's give it a nice little swirl. Yeah, it's nice red raspberry, but not not. Um, I was gonna say not full bodied, but not. Um, it doesn't look dense. Sure. Oh yeah. No, it's like not. Um, that dark red purple. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. All right. I smell. It smells pretty good. Getting a lot of raspberry. Like it's funny that you said raspberry because I am smelling raspberry. You do definitely. Kind of like a raspberry tart, like the the dessert. Maybe some vanilla. Mm. Yeah, could see that. Need to work on my spelling palette. First step, everyone knows the rules. What do we think? I like it a lot. Um, not too much of anything in one direction or the other. You know, it seems like it's medium on all fronts. Like not too full body, not too dry, not too sweet. You know what I mean? It's it's the Goldilocks. Yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Um, these wines are known to be lightly colored as we see lightly colored red and um they're known for their flavor their um fruitiness but also they are they are um by definition more tannic i just th i think the fruitiness uh, the flavor the the smell takes over um nice balance yeah definitely well balanced um first sip i'm liking it so we'll see how it goes the rest of the night <laughs> See what those comps are at the end. Exactly. Welcome to the podcast, Taylor Rhodes. He is the Major League Strength Coach to the Houston Astros and good friend of mine. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Honestly, so good to have you. Um, you're our first strength coach on, so oh. not a big deal. Yeah, a lot um, of a lot of pressure. First things first, um, do you like wine? And if so, what kind? I do. Um, I really enjoy wine. Um, mainly red wines over white wines, but I'll dabble in some white wines every now and then. Nice. What kind of red? Um, I like cabs. Um, I'll mix in some pinots here and there. Um, pretty much stay with those two from a, re a red wine perspective. Nice. Yeah. Today we're drinking a northern, a northwestern Italian red. Yeah. It's a Nebbiolo. Oh, interesting. Never heard of it, but highly recommend it. There we go. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. Are you drinking anything with us or dry um, right now? I uh, had a bottle of wine. And I drank it last night, so <laughs> okay. And I just got home from uh, spring training, so that's where we are. Yeah. So. Um, First off, how how do we know each other? We used to work together for the Astros, um, and you obviously still do. How is spring training going? It's good. 
it's uh, busy per usual. Um, a lot of moving parts with the World Baseball Classic this year. So mm. trying to ramp up some guys pretty early and get them out of town here in the next week or so. And the rest of the crew finally got here the other day. So full squad now and, you know, everything's just, just rolling. Yeah, early and long days. For oh, sure. yeah, for sure. Are uh, guys that are playing in the World Baseball Classic, do they get there earlier to get prepared? Like, how are you, how are you guys going about getting their training going? Um, some of them did show up a little bit earlier um, than normal. Um, I trained guys in Houston pretty much all offseason as well. So uh, a couple guys came down to Houston and, and just got ramped up, you know, earlier than normal. Um, so they've been throwing bullpens and live EPs and stuff for, you know, a couple weeks now just in prep for the World Baseball Classic. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say the majority of our guys are pretty much ready to go for that. Um, but, yeah, like, the rest of the squad just got here. I mean, position players showed up two days ago. So uh, finally have a full camp and everything's kind of hitting the ground running. Nice. Yeah, it's exciting time. We're very excited. Obviously, we love baseball. We're obsessed. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you haven't always been the major league strength coach that you didn't just get that job from day one. So um, just for folks at home, give us a little bit of a summary of your career and you know what it took to get to where you are today. Yeah, so uh, I got pretty lucky getting out of uh, college, uh, getting into pro baseball right away. Um, I got a short season job, which was actually part-time at the at the time, um, in 2014 with the Houston Astros, um, and kind of worked my way up through the minor leagues. I started in uh, rookie ball, like I said, uh, short season in Troy, New York. Uh, then I went to high A from there, uh, which was Lancaster, California at the time. Uh, then double A, which is Corpus Christi, Texas. Then ventured back to California, which was our triple A affiliate at the time in Fresno Grizzlies. And then from there became the coordinator uh, down in Florida um, for a couple of years. And yeah, then uh, made the trip over to Houston. So. It's been a it's been a journey. It's been fun seeing a little bit of everything, um, but that's uh, it's been great. What would you say is a normal path for guys in your role? Do you see a lot of guys coming going through the college baseball route and then going in? Is it rare for someone to be with the same organization in a strength and conditioning role? Guys or girls? Yeah, yeah or girls. Yeah, um, I'd say it's uh, it's rare to be with the same organization for as long as I have. Um, I'm going on my 10th year now with the Astros, which is pretty rare. And it seems yeah, like yesterday that I just started, but um, yeah, it's uh, I'd say it's rare to, to be, you know, with one org for that long um, coming out and getting into pro baseball. I'd say a lot of people are, are going more like the private sector first and then transitioning into pro baseball. Um, but there, there are guys that, you know, go the college baseball route and then kind of get in um just from you know having good experience running a you know big time program or something like that they get into the the pro baseball ranks so i told uh, my friend that we were having you on today and he was like what exactly does a strength coach do i was like okay so you'll have to listen to the pod so could you tell us exactly what a strength coach does yeah so um i mean we pretty much do majority of the training in terms of like the body and getting guys prepared um from a, a health standpoint um it's that's a tough question but uh we do uh 
I mean, we do all the training in the gym. So strength conditioning or strength training, power training, um, plyometric type stuff, speed training, agility stuff. Um, I mean, there's a there's a whole laundry list of things that we do. Um, we also aid our dietitians in you know nutrition and hydration and that kind of stuff. Um, we you know assist the trainers with recovery modalities, stretching, um, anything pretty much to help performance. Um, we pretty much have our hands in it, so it's kind of a a wide array of things, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Would you say your, um, main job functions happen pre and post game or are there still core functions of your job that happen during the game? Um, yeah, I'd say definitely majority is pre and post game. Um, especially pre, uh, we do a lot of work pre game with our guys, whether that's workouts, preparation for practice, preparation for the game, um, we do a ton of stuff prior to the game. Uh, once the game starts, we we still do have some job duties. Um, we're usually on the bench, but we'll bounce back and forth between the weight room and, and the dugout just to um, make sure guys are, you know, relievers, for instance, that are going into the game later later on, like the closer or guys that, you know, have set up roles that know, you know, usually the veteran guys that know they don't need to be out there for the first couple of innings, they'll stay back and, do prep routines and just get their body ready so they don't just go sit in the bullpen and, uh, you know, get cold and not be ready to go. So we'll do stuff with them. Nice. Um, Taylor, how um, how in contact are you with players during the offseason or are you, are you in contact with them at all? Yeah, so uh, I, we try and contact our guys at least once every two weeks. Um, all the guys that are, that are away from us, um, we train guys in Houston uh, at Minute Maid Park. Uh, pretty much the, for the duration of the off season, um, Monday through Friday at least. So we see we and, and we're one of the rare teams that have you know a good you know core group of guys that actually live in Houston. Um, I'd say pretty much all off season we had five to ten guys every day, um, and I don't think that's very common in, in Major League Baseball. So uh, it, it's good for us. Uh, we get our hands on the guys. We can make you know a lot of changes with just you know, having them do strength conditioning um, and power training all, all off season, rather than having to deal with, you know, the crazy schedule of travel and baseball and everything else that goes with major league baseball. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I also don't think it's very common for most major leaguers to live in the city that they, maybe like LA. Um, yeah. Yeah. Usually it's the, it's the warmer weather cities that, you know, get, players to live there um yeah so, like miami has a bunch of people that live there but mm. i don't think like even there they don't have a lot of guys that train at the ballpark which is unique yeah so that leads me huh, to my next question how nice is the gym at minute Maid, or is the west palm beach gym nicer um the west palm beach gym is way nicer way bigger okay. um obviously in season we only have like 25 26 guys so the space that we have in West Palm isn't necessarily needed. Would it be very nice? Yes, it would be very nice to have. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit older. The stadium's you know a little bit older than the one in West Palm. Um, I want to say it was built like 2000 or so. Um, so it's going on 23 years or so. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely needs some improvements. But it's functional. We have everything that we need. Um, but yeah, definitely yeah. not as nice as West Palm. 
I know. I miss that gym all the yeah. time. I do have to say. Yeah. It's spoiled. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's really nice. And I have to remind people all the time that we have, we have a pretty nice place to train for spring training. Oh yeah. So, uh, Taylor, there's a photo circulating around the internet of Jeremy Pena giving a nice little, uh, tricep flex leaning on his bat and batting practice. What are you guys feeding him? And do you take credit for his physique? I take zero credit. I take zero credit. Um, I take zero credit for, for anyone's performance or physique or anything like that. I mean, these guys got to put in the work. They're the ones that are doing the job. So, um, all credit to those guys, uh, what we're feeding him, uh, should ask our dietitian, but no, uh, he, he's very, very dedicated to his craft. He's very, very dedicated to, you know, working out, um, dedicated to what he puts in his body. So, uh, very, very religious on, um, food and, and hydration and that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's been great since he came up, uh, from the minor leagues and he's a, he's a pleasure to work with just because he works his butt off every single day. Yeah, and he's actually a nice guy. Yeah, um, just, nice. Just cherry on top. Yeah. I take credit for everything he does because I called his name in the draft room. Love Don't it. forget, you know, yeah. every, people forget, but yeah. it's let basically all to sure, me. Let them know. Yeah, definitely. I definitely have. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Jeremy Pena, congratulations on the World Series, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Hell was, yes. So happy for you. Very fun run. Um, I've been blessed with you know, being with a good Oregon, a very good time. Um, and we have fantastic players and a fantastic core veteran group that really drives the culture and um, keeps the winning happening in the big leagues. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell us just what you remember from this year's World Series or any like special moments besides obviously winning it all, but like anything particular that sticks out? Uh I mean, it was all kind of a blur, but um, I'd say the home run against Seattle, uh, I think it was game two uh, at home uh, where we had a little comeback. We were down like seven to three or something. Had a little rally, came back, and Alvarez hit the, the walk-off homer, three-run homer. And that's that was what the extra inning like, game, right? What's that? That was the extra inning game, right, in Seattle? No, no, no. This was before we went to Seattle. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Alvarez hit the three-run, like, walk-off homer, and that's where I knew, like, things were going to be kind of special because I was like, if we can beat Seattle, I, I really like our shot. Um, I knew Seattle was really good. They had great pitching depth. <clears throat> they had played as well all year. Um, and things just started to click, and I was like, man, this, this is looking really good. Um, obviously, we had to beat them and then beat the Yankees and then beat the Phillies, but um, – I really thought our a, a big task was going to be the, the Mariners, and they played us really well. Um, obviously, that 18 game in Seattle uh, was a testament to that. Um, <clears throat> I think that game alone was the most I've ever done in-game for like my job, uh, just keeping guys fueled and hydrated, and guys were cramping left and right because, you know, everything everything falls on, like, one pitch or one error or – you know, it, the stress involved in the playoffs is insane. So I think that, I mean, that 18 inning game was also another turning point where I was like, man, this is, this may be special. This may be a cool one. So. 
Yeah, you mean the double header, basically. Yeah, literally the double header. Like I don't even know how long the game was. Like almost seven hours or something ridiculous. Yeah, that was insane. I obviously didn't watch the whole thing because yeah. I was asleep. Like that's yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Two games like that, I can't even imagine. It's yeah. wild. Um. Okay, so I saw you a lot on TV during the World Series, yeah. especially. Um, you were near Dusty a lot. Um. Just what was the like crazy or coolest experience about winning with Dusty? Because I could see you guys like the emotion with him, um, and just being like, "Holy shit, that's Taylor hugging Dusty yeah. right now!" You yeah. know? Yeah, no, it's uh, I've had a really good relationship with Dusty since he's been here. Um, obviously, he's an absolute legend, future Hall of Famer. Um, just a great human, a uh, great person to be around. Um, but yeah, I mean him finally getting that first World Series ring was pretty sweet. And I think everyone on our staff was, you know, more excited for him than we were for ourselves. Um, mm. He's been in the game for, shit, I don't even know, 50 years or something like that. <laughs> like something crazy, over 50 probably. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it was a big relief for everybody. Everyone was really happy for him. And you could see that he was, you know, pretty ecstatic inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was pretty special to be a part of all that. What was uh, on TV was the it, the atmosphere in Philly looked crazy. Was it as crazy as it looked? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. I mean, the, the Philly crowd and Philly fanatics were, were out there in full force and letting us have it, especially in the early games. Um, I mean, that game that we got beat there where um, we gave a bunch of home runs and stuff. I mean, they were pretty ruthless and – um, but that that's what makes playoff baseball and everyone enjoys it. So it was it was definitely a good time. Yeah, it's the ultimate sports town. I've never been, yeah. but have always wanted to see a game there for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Um <clears throat> my next question, over under ten bottles of champagne did you drink personally that night? Oof, that night. <laughs> oh, uh I'm not to go under, but I did drink quite a bit of alcohol that night. Um yeah. And I was into the very wee hours of the morning. Yeah. So I guess the night it caps it off a little too soon. I should yeah, yeah, want to yeah. limit yourself there. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm just curious. But no, that was a, <clears throat> it was like a week long celebration of just alcohol and everything. <laughs> yeah. Debauchery. <laughs> everything. Yes. Everything. And uh, no, it was really fun. Uh, I mean, the, city of houston showed out like crazy there was like over two million people at our parade um which people ask me like what the parade was like and i'm like you know i don't really know it's like you rode a roller coaster and like everyone was screaming and yelling for so long like i, I think the parade route was only two miles but it took us like an hour and a half to get down it and by the time you got off you were like deaf and so <laughs> it's like oh i just got off this roller coaster Plus now I'm deaf. Like I don't know what's going on. So yeah, that's wild. Cool. Where so how many? Like who are you in a car with, or how does that work? Like how do um, you know? Like do they assign you certain places on so the day of? They yeah they assigned us floats, um, but it all kind of just got messed up, and everyone Classic. just started just like piling on floats and stuff. So somehow I ended up on a float with like um, some of the like staff members plus. Like Brantley was on my float, Tucker was on my float. Um, I think Stanek was on my float. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else. There was there was a handful of players. 
Um, but yeah, it was awesome. We had uh, the World Series trophy on the float too, which was sick. Wow. So yeah, it was a uh, it was awesome. It was really cool, really unbelievable experience for sure. Okay, so um, just taking a step back, um, did you have a favorite team growing up? Favorite player? Who'd you root for? Yes, yeah, so I grew up in Chicago. Um, grew up a Cubs fan. Uh, yeah, I was there it's crazy everything comes full circle like i was a massive cubs fan in chicago when dusty baker was the manager of the cubs and i was actually at like the bartman game and all this kind of stuff and i'm in the documentary uh about bartman like all this kind of i didn't know that that's wild yeah yeah yeah. so were you sitting by him or like how were you in it oh so i was on like the exact opposite side of the field like literally right on the wall just like he was um, and I had like a sign, like Finn ish, the Marlins. And I was, I don't even know how old I was, like seven or eight at the time. Like, and old enough to think that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, they got me on camera and everything. And I didn't really know it, know, like notice it when I watched it. But then my brother like backtracked and found me and screenshot it and this whole, whole thing. But, um, no, it's it's crazy to come full circle and like Dusty and I have talked about it. He's like, no way were you there. So, <laughs> it's cool. It's really cool. So have you always loved baseball or have there been other sports for you as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I've always loved baseball. I think baseball is my first love. Um, I was a gymnast growing up, so um, I did very, very high level competitive gymnastics for uh, like 11 years. Um, so that's kind of unique, but, um, yeah, yeah, between, yeah, between those two. And then, um, I love golf too. Um, I played golf in high school as well. So nice. Yeah. Have you seen full swing yet? I haven't, but I've heard great things. It, like, it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah. I crushed it. Scotty crushed it too. I'm pretty yeah, sure. That's, a, that's what I've heard. I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So Cubs fan from Chicago. And then went to Bowling Green and then straight to the Astros. Yep. Been there ever since. Crazy. It's been been crazy 10 years. So. Did you play baseball in high school or just you love that was your. No, I played baseball in high school and then I actually played at Bowling Green as well. So. Okay. Played collegiately and then, yeah, got out of college and went straight to coaching. you always knew you wanted to go into strength and conditioning or um <clears throat> i didn't always know that um i knew i always had an interest in it um i got into it in college uh and was kind of a ga working in the weight room and working with um basically my mentor who got me into strength conditioning who was my strength coach in college um he's actually now the associate I'm going to mess this title up, but like associate director of Olympic sports for Michigan state. Um, so yeah, he, he coaches, he's a strength coach now at Michigan state uh, running a bunch of teams over there. Um, but he got me interested, uh, got the ball rolling. I worked with, you know, a ton of sports at Bowling Green uh, as in a GA role and then um, got out and got into baseball. And I knew when I got into it, that I wanted to do baseball just because it's like my first love. I love baseball. Um, I don't feel like I'm working when I'm around baseball, so kind of wanted to to go that route. Um, but yeah. Okay. What is your favorite exercise, and what is your least favorite exercise? Oh, 
favorite exercise? Um, I would say my favorite exercise, not necessarily that I love to do it, but deadlift, just because it incorporates the whole body and you have to be, mm-hmm. you know, really strong to do it. Um, just total body wise, it's not just like one singular attachment of your body. Um, I think it's a total body lift that you really have to be strong to do. Um, least favorite. It's a great question. Uh, <laughs> Mine is burpees. I oh, there you go. Hate yeah. burpees. Burpees suck. Um, everyone's like, well, what is a burpee? I'm like, well, they're just terrible. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, least favorite. I would say any type of like cardio i do it because i know it's important but do i enjoy it no not really i feel like that's scotty right like you don't ever do cardio uh as i get older i do do it more and more because it's necessary yeah. but <laughs> yeah i definitely don't enjoy it i don't think anyone really enjoys it yeah. but um people, like, you know people claim there's just runners high i'm like what is that I've never yeah ever. That, that doesn't exist yeah i've never <laughs> experienced that in my life um, I pitched through high school and college. And one thing that I was always told is to never lift above my head or, um, you know, all my coaches were anti bench press, etc. What are your yep. thoughts on that as a pitcher? Um, I disagree. <laughs> um, all of our pitchers predominantly bench press, uh, not necessarily barbell because it locks your scaps in place, but a lot of our guys do some type of pressing. Um, like a floor press or? Uh, they do floor press. They do dumbbell bench press. They do um, different just variations of pressing, whether it's cable, dumbbell, kettlebell, whatever. Um, there's a ton of different things you can do, but um, we try and stay away from barbell with pitchers just because of scap um, getting stuck in place. But, um, other than that, um, we don't do anything like heavy, heavy overhead in terms of pressing. Just from this year, we use our shoulders all the time overhead. Um, anything that we do in the gym is just going to create more stress in that area, which isn't necessarily great. Um, and you have to look at it risk, risk versus reward. Like if we're putting you in a risky position, like what's the reward that we're getting out of it? Um, and for us, we don't really feel like the reward is, you know, outweighing the risk so we just don't do it we can get into this year um how what do you have on this year like how do you think you guys are gonna hold up against the rest of the aos um i mean the aos has definitely improved this offseason um i mean the rangers went out and spent a bajillion dollars and got a bunch of pitchers and some position players so uh the rangers are definitely going to be better um the Angels will definitely be better. They went out and got some good pieces. Uh, obviously, Seattle, we played them last year. They only got a little bit better this year, this offseason. So, I mean, everyone's going to be a lot better. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive. Um, I, I I thought Seattle was extremely good last postseason. Um, so, to see them play good this year, I won't be surprised at all. Um, so, I think the AL West will be very, very competitive. Um, I love our team. I love, you know, what we have in place. I think we got extremely better um, with, you know, some under-the-radar moves, but also big signings such as Jose Abreu, um, getting him, uh, re-signing Michael Brantley, 
Yeah, re-signing Montero in the pen, which we bring back our entire bullpen, which was absolutely nasty last year. So um, I, I think our pitching staff's going to be phenomenal again. Uh, I think our hitters are going to maybe be even better than last year. So if we can stay healthy and, and everyone uh, you know just does their job, we'll be, we'll be pretty damn good. Yeah, that's the name of the game, staying healthy always. Yeah. I remembered my question. Um, oh, yeah. It came back to me. Um, so obviously the game now has changed a lot from even five years ago, but 10 years ago, it's very analytics heavy. Do you use analytics in your job or how does it affect the way you do your job? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, and, and I know Sarah, you know this, like with the Astros, we try and stay on the cutting edge of everything, um, be on the bleeding edge. Um, but uh, yeah, we use a lot of sports science, a lot of technology to monitor our guys throughout the season. Um, obviously, in every major league ballpark now, there's Hawkeye and Statcast, which pretty much measures everything that happens on a field from a yeah. biomechanical standpoint, a tracking standpoint. Um, there's really no escaping the sports science anymore um, because it is everything in game is monitored. Um, so we do utilize sports science and analytics and um, just numbers a ton. Uh, it, it helps me do my job because, you know, I can monitor these guys and we do a lot of workload, um, workload management stuff. Um, so yeah, we, we do utilize it a lot. And obviously being with the Ashes, we have always been very, very analytically driven. Um, so my, our department doesn't really, you know, escape that we're, we're part of the analytics, analytics group as well. Yeah, every every department, as I recall from Astros, is heavy on the analytics. Um, we were just talking with a college hitting coach last week, and I asked him the same question, and he said he uses it more as a supplement to yeah. his job. So I just thought, you know, it would be interesting to hear from a strength perspective how it, yeah. how it's used. Yeah, no, it's just another, like, everything that we use from a sports science standpoint and, and statistics standpoint, analytics, whatever you want to call it, uh, is just another tool in the toolbox. Um, we really try and push foundational stuff, uh, do the basics very, very well. And then uh, anything that we can monitor off of that, I think is only going to be uh, beneficial and help performance. So Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. Back to the divisional preview, because that's what we're going to discuss when we get off the line. We made some predictions. Um, we have a pick to click. So I was just wondering if you have a pick to click for this year. For in terms of what my team or yeah or yeah. Uh, for your team specifically but you can answer it however you'd like Oof. okay you really put me on the spot here well i can cut out all the dead air so no, you here, can take here. your time no, <laughs> um i'm gonna go and i don't know if this probably won't surprise anyone but i'm gonna go jose altuve pick to click with no shift the guy's gonna mm -hmm. hit over well over 300 with 25 plus homers so speaking of the shift how do you because this is still my question around that how do you think they're going to go about policing that that's a great question um <laughs> it's going to be very very interesting to see what some teams try and do um I think teams are going to start trying to move outfielders. I think teams are going to start like almost like a, a running start potentially. Um, 
for one of the infielders. Uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see how teams yeah. do some things. Um, but when change happens, you know, people find ways around, you know, that change. So it'll be interesting to see what develops from it. Um, I think MLB is going to have to figure out some things as well. Um, it's kind of an A evolution lot of things. thing. Yeah, evolution thing, but we'll, uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, so, you know, like the hop that every infielder, you know, supposedly does before, yeah. um, during the pitch before yeah. um, the hit comes. Do you, you're saying that some people, instead of just hopping in place, they may be doing different things pre-pitch to get ready. Yeah, potentially. Like, yeah. It's, who knows? Like, maybe a, a second baseman or a shortstop. Say it's a, a righty-up, heavy pull guy, and all he – the second baseman has to do is be on the other side of second base, right, mm. when the pitch is released. Well, what if he literally starts on the line and as the pitcher releases the ball – runs four feet is that illegal is it not like yeah exactly how athletic can the position player be to get into position before the ball's you know hit like who knows i don't know what's going to happen it'll be very interesting but i'm sure there's, there's going to be some teams out there that try some outlander stuff oh for sure the rays i'm yeah. just calling it right now they're like, going to do think, some like <laughs> i think if they're trying to get away from you know lefty big pull hitter the short shortstop third baseman out in right field. Well, why don't you just bring in the right fielder and move the outfielders? You know? Yeah, but is that considered a shift? Yeah, but they're only worried about the infield shift. They're not really worried about outfield shift, I don't believe at least. Okay. I didn't know I don't exactly know what the ruling yeah. says. I don't I don't know it exactly either, but I'm assuming it's more infield because that's all I've really heard. Um where guys gotta have their feet on the dirt and Gotcha. a second base um but yeah i mean from my standpoint i'm like well if a guy pulls the ball still why don't we just shift the outfield um until he can prove that he can hit the ball the other way yeah defensive metrics really yeah. come into play here on outfield yeah. positioning yeah for sure yeah no I, I think it's only um infielders on the dirt and two guys on each side of second base yeah from what i remember but um are do you like the new rule changes overall um yeah i think the biggest one is going to be the pitch walk um and the disengagements from the mound uh there are like i saw a list of rules the other day that they've people tried to get around this the rule in the minor leagues like oh if the clock's running down just toss out the ball you can get a new ball and the clock starts over well like you have to throw out a throw out the ball now with before the clock hits like nine seconds. Otherwise it counts as a disengagement from the rubber. And then if that happens, then you can only pick over like twice or three times or something like that. There's a, there's a limit on pickoffs. So it's like, okay, well, if there's a runner on base now and he knows you've already picked off two or three times, like you're pretty much giving him a bag. So it'll be really interesting to see how all of that unfolds. And I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of emotion plenty of ejections um, because a big situation is going to happen where, you know, a game's on the line and somebody gets called for a ball or a strike or something. And it's going to be a big story. Yeah. That's what Scotty was saying last week. Like there's going to be same with the guy automatically um, on second and extras. Yeah. There's going to be some big games that matter decided on, 
on that yeah. factor. For sure. No doubt. Like down to the wire the last month or so of the regular season, there'll be some games that really mean something. And I'll just throw a guy at second base. Yeah, so. exactly. So do you guys do you think you guys will win over under a hundred games this season? What are you getting these lines from Vegas? I mean I, saw, I am Vegas. Yeah. I am Vegas. I saw on uh, the TV the other day that we were like 99 wins. I was like, man, they're really asking if we're going to win 100 games again. Um, I think we went over because I'm confident in our oh, team yeah. and our ability. Uh, I still think it's very impressive for a team to win 100 games. It's really hard to do in today's day and age. Um, but I think the Houston Astros in 2023 win over 100 wins. All right, I heard it here first, folks. Right. Love that. Um, is there any team on the schedule that you're most looking forward to um, this season? Any new ballparks that you haven't been to yet? Uh, yeah, actually, Pittsburgh. Oh. Hey! Yeah. Our Pirates, yeah, in Pittsburgh, so that'd be cool. Haven't been there. Um, heard when is that? To the first road trip of the year. Should be nice and cold. Oh, yeah. Let me know. Well, I'll come by. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Um, yeah, we go Minnesota and then Pittsburgh. What a opening road trip! <laughs> Luckily, we started home, but uh, yeah, the first road trip the following week is two very cold places. Yeah, and you guys are spoiled too with that roof. Yeah, one thousand percent, thousand percent. But I, have... I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine playing in the summer in Houston without a roof. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you have a favorite um, road destination? um so far in your career i think i have to be biased and say wrigley um but i also love i love fenway i love going to fenway boston's fantastic great city um san diego you can't really be going to petco petco is extremely nice san diego is obviously weather's perfect year-round um i enjoy going to seattle and just enjoying the city i wouldn't say necessarily t-mobile park but um i enjoy seattle city wise um so obviously wrigley and fenway probably have shitty um visiting accommodations just because they're so old like they barely have nice home accommodations um is san diego the nicest visiting one that you've been to no not at all Mm. um trying to think of the best visiting Yankee Stadium visiting is fantastic. Yeah, I that's what I would expect. A lot of money. Um, the visiting clubhouse staff has been there for a long time, and they run an elite operation. Um, trying to think of the new Rangers ballpark is mm. top notch. From like from a facility standpoint, I think the Rangers take the cake just because it's a new ballpark. Uh, the Braves is also really good too, but from a facility yeah. standpoint, the Rangers just probably better than some home ballparks yeah probably because they're yeah. just newer and nicer but yeah, yeah i'm always curious like i've only seen a few visiting clubhouse accommodations and they vary greatly so oh thank you yeah okay. yeah <laughs> there can be some really good ones and really bad ones yeah exactly yeah. um well we've reached our time i don't, I know you're super busy and probably really exhausted from <laughs> Groundhog's Day over there. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Taylor. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Taylor. And uh, best of luck this year. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Talk soon. All right. See ya. Thanks.
Boom. Well, that was freaking awesome. Boom. It's nice to have a perspective from inside the World Series. Mm -hmm. So that was fun to hear. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was awesome. Yeah, so cool. He's was always pretty welcoming to me when I first started there. I and mean, we just kept in touch. He's just such a good guy. And you can tell he really loves the game just like us. It's it's fun knowing that people who work in it also really love it just as much as the fans do, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Alrighty, so with the season, um, only a little bit over a month away, we're going to do um, a divisional preview every week until opening day. And since we had Taylor Rhodes on from the Houston Astros, we're going to start with AL West. Um, so Sarah and I are going to run real quick through, um, you know, we have some superlatives, I guess you could say. Um, we're going to name an MVP candidate, a Cy Young candidate. Um, a rookie of the year candidate, and then a pick to click or breakout candidate uh, for each division. And then we'll predict how we think the division's going to finish standings wise. Sarah, are you uh, ready? As ready as I'll ever be, Scotty. So, we first to start off, let's give just two minutes to each team. Um, give a quick little rundown. Okay, I'll set a timer. Hold us accountable, Sarah. You got it. Tell me when to start. Alrighty, start it now. Alrighty, let's start with the Houston Astros. Um, they return everybody. They lose Yuli Gurriel, and we they add Jose Abreu. Uh, this team looks like they're gonna repeat. What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, well, I also think they're the team to beat in the ALS. Right? They're they're reigning champions they probably doesn't sound like they're gonna have a world series hangover um sounds like people have been getting in shape since since winter and um have been working out all off season so yeah they're definitely my team to beat so give away that there's they are who i have finishing first yep same here and i really love their pitching they've been known to develop pitchers even if losing justin verlander they have a ton of young guys uh in the in their rotation and they return the whole bullpen. So um, this is going to be one of the best teams, if not the best in the AL, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely have some bias, obviously, because I know a lot of the players and the staff, so I'm rooting for them. And I also know how hard they work. Um, and I just, yeah, I have a little bias, but they're definitely going to finish first um, in the AL West. There's no doubt in my mind. Really, it's, the Astros finishing first, the A's finishing last, and the other three are anyone's game, in my opinion. I'm excited to see who you have in the middle because I think that's <laughs> contentious. But um, alrighty, let's. All right, 30 seconds. Ooh, bless you. 30 seconds to spare. Should we? Let me just start off the timer again. Okay, ready, go. Okay. They Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Disneyland. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. This year, they add Hunter Renfro, Brandon Drury, Drew Ursula, Brett Phillips, Tyler Anderson, Carlos Estevez, and Matt Moore. A lot of additions to this team. And every year I get sucked in saying, this is the year. I think this is my last year of saying it, but I think they've made improvements. I like the guys they've added. What do you think, Sarah? I also like the pieces they added, and just like you, every year I get sucked in being like, this is the year Mike Trout will actually go deep in playoffs, and 
we'll get to see one of the greatest players of all time, you know, shine in, in October. But he, sadly, the reality is he hasn't been in the playoffs since since 2014. And they have Shohei Otani, who is unlike any other player we've seen since Babe Ruth, essentially. I like them, but I'm hesitant. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, right? They've cried that they're going to be so good so many times that I just don't believe it. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the Angels. Yeah, I think you have to be cautious also because, like, is Trout going to play a full year? Um, this is Otani's last year under contract, I believe. Or mm-hmm. so, if they're not winning by the middle of the season, like I think the Angels are crazy not to trade him. You can't just let a guy that good walk in free agency. Um, but yeah, it's going to take uh, pitchers being healthy. They have a, a rookie catcher in Logan O'Hoppy that they acquired from the Phillies for uh, Syndergaard, and um, it's going to take like guys. Brandon Drury, Hunter Renfro is always a solid uh, lineup piece, but Brandon Drury um, repeating last year's breakout, Anthony Rendon coming back, um, and getting uh, contributions in the bullpen. Carlos Estevez is their new closer, came over from the Rockies. So we'll see. I think this is my last year saying it, that this is the Angels' year. So we'll see. (laughs) Nice. Just at the two-minute mark. All righty. Mariners next. Here we go. All righty. This year, the Mariners added to Oscar Hernandez and Colton Wong via trade. They also signed AJ Pollock and Tommy Listella. Um, I like what they added to the lineup. They needed some slugging. Um, and they also added some depth. Their rotation is is as good as any in baseball. And their bullpen's deep. What do you think about this team, Sarah? Yeah, I like this team a lot. I definitely think... They're probably going to go into the season underrated and they'll overperform just like they did last year and the past couple of years, honestly. I think their Mariners are always exciting. Jerry DePoto just breeds new life into every team. I feel like each season I'm like, wait, another trade? He's doing this again? Um, that I'm excited to watch them. And yeah, I would say they're kind of the opposite feeling I have towards the Angels where like I feel the disappointment coming on, but with the Mariners, I feel the excitement coming on and I feel like they're going to outperform our expectations. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, DePoto, I'm, I think he disappointed me in the amount of trades he made this offseason. I was expecting a lot more. But um, also they have an, a lot of young pitchers in their rotation, and I think the difference maker is Jared Kalanick being the guy that he was supposed to be. Former number one prospect, has been disappointing, hasn't been able to figure out the big leagues. If he does, their outfield of Kalanick, Rodriguez, and Teoscar is is really good, especially in that lineup. Um, but I, I expect them to be back in the playoffs next year. Yeah, for sure. It'll be an interesting uh, interesting season in Seattle. Okay, let's move on to the um, athletics, unfortunately. We have to talk about them all. Um, so the athletics this offseason added Jesus Aguilar, Jace Peterson, J.J. Blade, Astori Ruiz, Manny Pena, Aletimus Diaz, Drew Rusinski, Shintaro Fujinami, and Trevor May. A lot of new phases in Oakland. Um, this team, this lineup might be the worst in baseball. And, um, you know, they've got a lot of young rotation pieces. Trevor Mays coming over from the Mets to be their closer. I, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts, Sarah. I could, I, I don't really have a, a general opinion about this team. What do you think? 
All right. Well, shout out Oakland fans. We love you too. I do think your team is in the basement. So sorry, it's going to be a rebuilding year for you and one that you're just going to kind of have to survive through. But if you have low expectations, it makes typically for a better reality. So if you go into the season with no expectations, you're probably going to be like, oh, at least the A's won 40 games or whatever it may be. Um, But yeah, not a ton of bright spots. The names you read off our flashbacks from when those players were mostly good in their prime, you know, five to seven years ago. So yeah, I just kind of feel bad for Oakland um, because they, they did have a chance and they didn't kind of go with it when they did a couple years ago when they could have. And yeah, they're, they're my basement of the AL West. Yeah. I, I looking at this roster right now, I think they're going to finish last, but l- listen, I've seen teams like this in Oakland before and they come out being the first in the AL. Don't think this is going to happen here, but you never know. This is the type of team that Oakland builds. I feel so bad for Oakland fans losing all their teams. The Warriors go to San Francisco. The Raiders go to Vegas. This team's bound to go to Vegas. Um, I But to some bright notes, like J.J. Bladé, I like that addition. I think he needed a change of scenery. Um, he had one of the best bats in college at Vanderbilt uh, in his draft year. And they have some young pitchers, Ken Waldachuk. And uh, J.P. Sears came over from the Yankees. I think they're going to have some guys that are, that are going to shine, but uh, not too much to look forward to here. I know we went over the the timer, so we will move on. Um, last but not least, in the AL West, we have the Texas Rangers. The Rangers this year added Jacob Degrom, Nathan Eovaldi, Andrew Heaney, Danny Duffy, Jake Odorizzi, and Robbie Grossman. Every pitcher on the market went to Texas, just as Sarah predicted. This everyone is really optimistic about the additions the Rangers made. I, on the other hand, and pe- I am pessimistic. I think that uh, we'll see if Degrom plays a full season. Uh, but they have a lot of depth in their rotation, which will be good for them. Their bullpen is still a little bit shaky. Um, not a lot of depth in the lineup. They're going to need some young guys to come through. Uh, Josh Young as a as a rookie. Uh, Semyon needs to have a bounce back year. I've gone on too long. Sarah, I need to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I love the speed that we're going at. It's pretty amazing. Um, you did that in 45 seconds, which is pretty impressive. I I kind of agree with you. I'm really happy that most of my predictions came true, that all the pitchers went to the Rangers. I think that helps them, but I don't think, again, like you said, they made enough moves to improve their lineup. I I think I think I'm confused about this team is the best way for me to put it. I'm not really sure what the DNA of this team is other than, yeah, they have a lot of good arms, but does that really add up? What's the chemistry in the clubhouse? Are those pieces, those young guys, those older guys who need to step up, have those good seasons? I'm unsure and overall just confused by the Texas Rangers. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely second that. I'm definitely confused. Putting all your money in Simeon Seager and DeGrom doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I like Corey Seager a lot. Um, but the good news is that they have a lot of um, rook, uh, their, t- their top prospects are all pitcher heavy and n- near MLB ready. So I think they're going to be able to use those guys as trade chips at the deadline to add to the lineup because there's definitely holes. Um, we will see what happens in Texas. I, uh, I'm a little pessimistic. All right. Just under the wire. So that was our quick two-minute on each team rundown. Um, 
at us on the foul vine on twitter on instagram let us know what you think of each team um and let's get into our candidates uh, for the awards yeah so first we'll start with you want to start with mvp let's start with mvp um sarah who's your mvp candidate in the aos this year okay let's instead of me just going first on everyone because i feel like that's what's going to happen here uh <laughs> Can we say which team we have the player from first just to see if we're on the same page or different page? Sure. Okay, so I have my MVP candidate coming from the Astros. I think I know who it is. I have the Angels. Okay, good. I'm glad we have different. That's all I just wanted to check. Um, yeah, Jordan Alvarez. Love that. Um, I have Shohei Otani. I think he's a perennial MVP candidate. Um, I know that's boring, but... Um, that's who I'm going with. I uh, also like, had Mike Trout written down and scratched him out. Yeah, I, Trout and Otani are perennial MVP. There's a lot of MVP candidates league-wide in this division, actually. This is this division has gotten a lot stronger, I will say. Okay, real quick before we move on. Are we going to make a friendly wager on these predictions? I think we should make a wager on on the uh, how we predict the standings to fall. I think that I think that makes more sense because we're we're just like picking division uh, superlatives, right? Like they're not league wide. So uh, we could do for the standings, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah okay, exactly. Cool. So we'll do that, um, and then we. So next, Cy Young. Um, my Cy Young candidate is from the Mariners. Okay, mine's from the Astros. <laughs> oh, you are an Astro homer, Sarah. Um, I will announce mine first. Hmm. I have Luis Castillo. Who do you have? I have Framber Valdez. Love that. I love Framber. Yeah. The great, great pick. Great Thank pick. you. Um, no, I, I think Castillo is going to lead Seattle's rotation. And uh, he was a great ad last year. And I, I think he could be a league-wide Cy Young candidate too. So, um, Rookie of the year. My candidate is from the Astros. Is yours too? No. <laughs> Mine's from the Rangers. I know who it is because that's that was my first pick and then I changed it. I am well, I'll let you go. I went first last time. Go ahead. Okay. So Josh Young, is that how it's pronounced? Yep. Um, he's the third baseman, Ricky third baseman, and he's yeah, one of the few bright spots um in that. I was going to say in that defense, in that infield, but obviously you have Corey Seager. Those two really shine. Um, yeah, he he's definitely my rookie of the year. He could have been last year but got hurt, um, and he did really well in the short amount of time that he played. Yeah, I, was, I think Josh Young is primed to have a big year. There's just someone that I am a huge fan of, and I have been since they drafted him out of D2 Wayne State right-handed pitcher hunter brown i am a big hunter brown fan um you know you you put his his delivery side by side with verlander and they look like the same pitcher i don't i don't want to add that pressure but um you know they lose verlander but their rotation is so strong they've got valdez um they uh, mccullers um hunter brown and christian javier who they just extended um i'm i'm expected hunter, expecting hunter brown to eventually be a top of the rotation starter, um, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. Big curveball, fastball plays well up in the zone. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm, thanks for coming to my TED talk. I rambled there. <laughs> Hunter Brown. I love Hunter Browns. 
So that speaking of Hunter Brown, I was toying with the idea of having him be my pick to click. Um, but I was trying to stay away from doing all Astros. Um, but he's my honorable mention for both rookie of the year and pick to click. I just wanted to love that throw that out there. But indeed, my pick to click is on the Angels. So we don't have any of the same teams. I love this. My pick to click is on the Mariners. Okay, cool. Um my pick to click is George Kirby. Um, he came up and debuted last year, uh, did really well. I think he's going to have um, kind of like Logan Gilbert, his second year surge. Logan Gilbert debuted um, two years ago and last year had was one of the better pitchers, more consistent pitchers in, in, in baseball. I think that's going to be George Kirby this year. Um, I'm really excited to see him throw. Nice. Yeah, great pick. Um, I was also toying with the idea of that, but still honorable mention Hunter Brown pick to click. My actual pick to click will be uh, the catcher for the Angels, Logan Hoppy. Um, I think new team, new environment. He's going to come out hot. He's going to just fire on all cylinders and really uh, make this year his year. So he's my uh, lock it in pick to click. Love that. He's also um, my rookie fantasy catcher, so he better click. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll move, move on to our AL West standing predictions. And I'm really interested to see where you go here, because I think, I think three to four can be interchangeable. I think one, two, and five are probably, um, similar or, uh, I feel like a lot of people have the same one, two, and five, um, but uh, the three and four, I think, can go back and forth. So, Sarah? I think I'll surprise you because my one and five are, I already announced, the same as everyone else around the world. Astros yep. taking the division and A's totally losing being the floor of the division. I'm going to go Mariners second, Angels third, Rangers fourth, which is probably the exact same as you. Telling this is no fun. Yeah, yeah, we have the same one. I have the Rangers fourth. I, it's funny. I keep seeing people talk about how the Rangers are the most improved team. I mean, like, yeah, they added a lot, but I still think the team has holes, and they could be a, a major buyer at the deadline. Um, but um, you know, I'm a big fan of Nathaniel Lowe, Corey Seager. Um, I think Josh Young's going to have a big year, but uh, they're depending on a bounce back from Marcus Semien and Adolis Garcia's. Very volatile. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Angels, I, this is the last, I, I promised myself, this is the last year I say the Angels are going to make it happen this year. This is their year. And I don't even know if that finishing third is making it happen. But, you know, come on, please make the playoffs with Mike Trout, please. Yeah, I thought because you were saying this is your last year, you would have the Angels in second when you're like, everyone has the Angels in second or knows the second is the same. I was thinking you were talking about the Angels. So, um that's kind of interesting. You didn't put them second. Mariners pitching is one of the bullpen and rotation are probably one of the best in the league. So I, I just being a, a pitching guy myself, like I, I, I can't do that. Um, I think the angels, that's one of their weak, weak spots. So um, I do like a lot of their additions in the lineup, like Hunter Renfro, Drury, Ursula, but um, yeah, I, I think they're going to finish third. Okay, that's fair. So we'll just make a wager on the 25 other teams on the other standings because this is a wash. I'm surprised this is a wash because it's like how it started off with our superlatives. Like we were all different teams. So 
Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I bet we have every division the same. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Only time will tell. If that is the case, we'll just have to make a friendly wager on something else. And we still have to figure out the terms of the wager. So that's TBD. Yeah, we'll, we'll decide it before the episode this time. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, um, cool. Okay. So, yeah, this is our AOS preview. Um, <laughs> our preview. preview. No, it's preview. <laughs> no, it's our AOS preview. Preview. Um, no, um, it's our preview. And, you know, if you're a fan of the AOS, you probably know your team better than we do. But, uh, you know, give us your predictions at the file vine. On Twitter, Instagram, email us at the valvine at gmail.com. Um, for any thoughts or anything maybe we got wrong, um, let us know. So uh, let's move into we have some league news to discuss. Not that much. We're nearing, we're, you know, spring training started. Hallelujah. Um, and we, we're going to do our wine rating and comp. So um, let's get into some league news here. Um, we had some free agent signings and also some other general news. Let's start with the general news. Corbin Burns and the Brewers relationship is on the rock, Sarah. This is the ugliness of the arbitration process. I hate it. Imagine bringing your Cy Young winning pitcher to arbitration over $700,000. I mean, come on. I just don't think it's worth it. Um he was very candid about how he felt, and I don't blame him. I'm, I'm, I'm on Corbin's side, and he could very well be a trade candidate at the deadline if the Brewers get off to a slow start. Yeah, and obviously we'll cover their their uh, chances in our um, NL Central preview, but oh, sorry, in our NL Central preview. Um, but yeah, interesting uh, front office player relations, a little dicey in Milwaukee. Um, I think I'm also on side Corbin's side. So yeah, just get it together, Brewers. That's really what all I gotta say about that. Yeah, come on, Brewers. Um next, a little bit of college baseball news. I've been watching hours and hours of college baseball this week. Um just a couple teams I wanna highlight that I've been really impressed with this first week. Um LSU, Wake Forest, Stanford, and TCU. Watch out for those team and teams in Omaha. And with LSU, Trey Morgan yesterday hit for the cycle against Southern University in Baton Rouge. Shout out Trey Morgan. Um, and then moving on to um, some major league news. Noah Song, former first round pick out of Navy for the Red Sox, through his mid to upper 90s, has not been able to play due to his commitment to military to, to the Navy. Um, he's now reporting to Philly's camp after they uh, acquired him on in the Rule 5 draft. After being discharged by the Navy, Noah Song is free. Do you so, know why he was discharged or he just finished his duty? No, I think he's been fighting the, um, the role that they have in place um, for athletes to, to serve their time. Um, I haven't really read into it. I just saw the headline that he was discharged, but I think, I don't think um he finished his service so that's essentially why the red sox left him vulnerable to the rule five and he was plucked by the phillies now we don't know what kind of pitcher we're going to get because he hasn't thrown in a couple of years uh but that could be a steal for the phillies uh, they have a lot they have a couple top prospects the best pitching prospect in baseball andrew panner and triple a already their rotation could be just nasty in the next year so 
pretty exciting news. Happy for Noah Song. He's he was a really good pitcher in college, so I'm hoping that he gets a chance. Um, some free agent news. I'm gonna read through it quickly. Um, Angels signed Matt Moore, added to their bullpen. Padres signed Cole Hamels to the to a minor league deal. He is back. Rangers signed Robbie Grossman. The Cubs signed Edwin Rios. The White Sox signed Elvis Andrews to play second base. And then the Cubs signed Michael Fulmer to add to their bullpen depth. While the Brewers signed Luke Voigt to a minor league deal. I can't believe they, he got a minor league deal. Um, and then lastly, the Twins signed Donnie Baseball, Donovan Solano. Uh, just adding depth to that Twins team, who I, I really like their offseason so far. That is definitely not who Donnie Baseball is, but that's okay. No, not the real Donnie Baseball, but or I think they call him Donnie Bats. Could have gotten that wrong. Um, no no disrespect to, Don, to the real Donnie Baseball. Um, any of those signings stick out to you, Sarah? Um, Matt Moore. He's from New Mexico. He's from Moriarty, so love him. I have um spring training worn jersey that the rays gave me as a going away gift of his always been a matt moore fan shout out matt moore you're awesome and i love that he's still pitching like hell yeah he had tj too and has come back and had arguably a better career since then so he's really figured out his stuff um that's the one that really sticks out to me and then yeah i guess the luke Voigt one too but i'm really not as surprised as you are that he got the minor league deal yeah, no, happy for Matt Moore. That's also my little brother's name. So shout out Matt Moore. Um, but no, he's really found his groove in the bullpen after a bunch of arm injuries and setbacks. Um, I like the Donovan Solano signing by the Twins. I like their offseason a lot, like I said. Um, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Cole Hamels can make it back to the big leagues. Uh, the Padres are just buying everybody. Um but that's that's it for the league news this week. Uh, not too much going on. We're getting into spring training. Um, next week, we got the World Baseball Classic starting. Already bought my Team Italy hat, Sarah. Um, I saw that. I need a Team Israel hat. I think. I honestly, I feel. It, have you seen Israel's poll? They got a bad draw. Yeah, they did. They really did. I feel bad. I mean, they have they have some they have a lot of good players on that team, but I mean, they're going up against the Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico. I mean, it's it's brutal. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited for the World Baseball Classic. I am um, going to be getting up at uh, 5 a.m. to watch Italy and Taiwan, um, and obviously watching all of them. I, I can't wait to watch all of them. Do you have any early favorites? Like who who you think is going to win it all? Um, great question. I would say my favorites right now are Dominican Republic and then Colombia. Um, Colombia, because two reasons, you know, I think they're good. And B, um, because we interviewed their press officer, which will be on next week's episode. So look out for that. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that to air. And um, I think Colombia is a sleeper pick. I think the Dominican is the obvious favorite. Um, also I have two sleeper picks, Mexico, Mexico's team is, um, very underrated. Watch out for them. And also Korea, Korea's, uh, a lot of young players are going to be uh, listed for, uh, in major league baseball soon, um, in the coming years. And they've got some MLB guys too. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited. It, the world baseball classics. Awesome. 
So how do you feel about the World Baseball Classic again? I love it. It's awesome. It's the best. <laughs> kind of like this one, actually. Yeah. And that leads us into our wine rating, Sarah. <laughs> so you've had a glass or two. What are you what are you see, seeing here? What's our future value on this on this wine? Definitely high ceiling. Um, I understand why now that you said it was the, your you know best glass of wine you ever had or favorite glass, whatever you said at the time. It's really darn good. Um, yeah, it's really good. I'm I'm between a 60 and a 70, but I think I'm going to be optimistic because this is the nature of migrating on this podcast. I'm going to go with it's a 70 grade wine, Scotty. Wow, that is that is high praise. I love it. I, I like that my recommendation um, is hitting. Um, I am going to go high too. I think this is very high for, um, you know, top 10 player in the league. Um, I am going to go, oh man, this is tough. I'm going to go 72. That might be my highest grade. 70 as well. Um, and, you know, I think he hasn't an established 70 yet. I'm going to go with my comp already. He hasn't established 70 yet, but people are going to soon know. They already know of him, but they're going to really know of Wander Franco of the race. That's a really good comp. That's a really good comp. I'm going to say this might be, I'm trying to think of an Astro just because we had Taylor on. I'm going to go, this might be, this might be a Jordan Alvarez. Have I already used him as a comp? I know I've used a Pena. I was going to say, uh, you could go Alvarez or Tucker here. Ooh, maybe I'll go Tucker because it kind of has that no batting gloves vibe. Um, or Sarah, you could go Hunter Brown. <laughs> after maybe if we have this wine in a year and he's you know shown up and picked Justin a click. Verlander 2.0. No pressure, but yeah, maybe. Um, but I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'll go with. I'll go with my original. No, I'll go with. I'll go with Tucker. Um, no, no, no. Sorry, I'm changing my mind. It's all the one. I'm going to go with Jordan Alvarez because that was my original. I think it's high quality, above average, way above league average player, kind of. Also a player like no one really had heard of or still underappreciates, as you mentioned earlier. So, yeah, stamp it. This is my Jordan Alvarez of one. Boom. I like it. Um, cheers. This was a great episode. Had fun. Um, and then, you know, next week we will air, what division should we do next, Sarah? Yeah. Should we stick with the AL or should we go NL West? Let's stick, let's, let's do the, I think we should do AL first. Okay. So then let's go AL Central. All right. We'll do AL Central. Um, we'll air our interview, our other interview. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to keep doing these, these previews. AL Central means we get to talk about Stephen Kwan. Let's go. <laughs> yep that's exactly that's all we'll probably talk about good thing there's a t limit on the time eh, i might have i might go over the two minutes talking about stephen kwan just himself <laughs>
Sounds good. Well, cheers, everyone. Hope you uh, grab a glass and join us while you listen to this. Salud. Salud. Uh, look, big paper, I increase my wealth. Uh, red wine, that's good for my health. Uh, wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's. Uh, allow me to introduce myself. I said, big paper, I increase my wealth. Huh. Red wine, that's good for my health. Uh, wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's. Huh? Allow me to introduce myself. Intro music by Jordan Montgomery and Driving Well Black Records. Oh, thank you.